when the day of Pentecost had come. They were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, here we are on Pentecost Sunday. And you know, Penta means 50, 50 days after Easter, we arrive at Pentecost. And we think of it as the day uh, that is the birth of the church. It's the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. But what does it mean that the church is born? You see, I think that if I were to uh, poll a group of people, not necessarily those who are here today, but a a group of people, and I said, what is the church? And they would say, well, the church is the building over there. The church is that sanctuary. Uh, The church is the thing with the steeple. They would begin to think of the church as a building, as a place that we go and things go on inside of it. But I also know that some of us here, if I said, what is the church? 
I would get the answer. The church is the people. And when we begin to think about the church as the people, the church as God's people, the church as something new that God did on Pentecost, we see that Pentecost isn't just something that happened once upon a time. Pentecost should be happening here and now in us and through us all the time. We should be Pentecost people. But in order to understand what it means to be Pentecost people, we have to take a step back here into the book of Acts. And in chapter 1, you will remember that Jesus has been resurrected. He is about to ascend into heaven, and he says to his followers, wait here. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait for the coming of the Spirit. Now, the first thing is that Jesus tells them they've got to wait. Oh, people of God, we don't like to wait. People of God, we want it now. We want to be in control of whatever happens. We are not people who like to wait. We don't want to wait in a line. We don't want to wait at a a stoplight. We don't want to wait for anything anymore. But God says to God's people, if you want to see God show up, you are going to have to wait for it. And so the people gather together. Now, a lot of times we'll talk about Jesus' disciples as being obedient to the Lord. Now, there's a place for obedience, but I don't think what we're seeing here in Acts is obedience. Now, here's what I mean. Obedience is someone in charge tells you what you got to do, and you're obedient. You obey the the traffic laws, but usually only when the police officer is around. The rest of the time, you're like, ah, they don't matter that much to me. These disciples aren't obedient people of God. They're committed. These people have hearts on fire for the Lord. These people are committed to the way of Jesus Christ. It's not enough to be obedient. You've got to be committed. Now, think about this. There are people who go to their job on any day of the week, and they are obedient to the tasks that need to be done. But you and I, we want an employee who's committed. We want a an employee whose heart is in it. We want an employee who cares about what they're doing. These disciples aren't obedient. They're committed. Their hearts are in it. They are people who want to see what God is going to do. Now, I ask you, are you obedient or are you committed? Is your heart turned to Jesus? Is your heart willing and waiting for what God is going to do? There's a difference. God wants God's people to be committed. It would have been so easy for these disciples after three weeks to say, eh, nothing's happening. Or after five weeks, really, are we going to stay here? It's been five weeks. and No, they don't do that. Instead, look at what they do. They wait with a certain attitude. They pray together. 
They sing together. They break bread together. They stay together. They open themselves to the power of God and they are waiting in a way where their hearts are open to what God might do. They're praying together. They're staying together. They're encouraging one another. The church is supposed to be a place where we stay together, pray together, sing together, worship together, encourage one another in Christ, and together we wait for what God might do. You know, many of you know that this last week we had our Oklahoma annual conference for United Methodists. It's where clergy and lay delegates get together, do the business of the church. And I can tell you, you know how hard this year has been for United Methodists. And before this conference in Tulsa, I talked to several people who were like, I really am not looking forward to it. It's usually so divisive. It's, you know, de-spiriting, not inspiriting, not inspirational. It just, you leave there feeling like you've been through the ringer. But we went anyway, and you know, we're committed to Christ, so we, you know, prayed together and broke bread together. And you know, something interesting happened. So on Tuesday, we were electing uh, delegates to go to annual, to general conference to fill in for those churches that disaffiliated. And usually, elections, voting, are the most divided part of what we do. It's usually the worst time because there are factions and divisions and people want their people and these people want their people. And it's usually horrible. But as we were voting and voting on our phones... The, uh, the, the company that was doing the tabulations, it was slow. It, wasn't, it, it, it was taking time, and we couldn't get the results up. So our own magnificent Judy Horn is the one who is playing for that annual conference. And she's tinkering around on the piano as Judy is wont to do. You hear it in our little transition. She just starts playing something, and... You know, people are listening to her play Jeopardy. And they start laughing over there. And then she starts to play something. I don't know, Spirit of the Living God. And suddenly, people started to sing. And more people joined in singing. And you know what, people of God? Church broke out in annual conference. Church broke out. People started shouting hymn numbers, and Judy's playing the hymns, and everybody's standing and singing. Church broke out in the least likely of places. Annual conference. And everybody felt the spirit moving. After all these years, after a decade maybe of, of divisiveness and, and, and just things not feeling right, the Holy Spirit showed up and everyone left that annual conference saying, the worst is behind us. 
God is moving and it's a new day. We felt like one body. We felt like one people. We were encouraged by God and we were together in the spirit. It was a remarkable thing and it was absolutely unpredictable. You see, this is part of it. You and I, we think about Pentecost and the pouring out of the Spirit, and we think, oh, we can just control the Spirit. We have the Spirit now. We can tell the Spirit what we want to have happen. We can tell the Spirit what it should do. But you know what? God's Spirit is going to do what God's Spirit is going to do. It is not up to us to control the Spirit. It's up to us to be open to the Spirit, to wait for the Spirit, and to see the new thing God will do. You know, at Pentecost, so the next thing that happens here is with the outpouring of the Spirit, people begin to speak in other languages. Now listen, it's not speaking in tongues. It's like all of a sudden I start speaking Chinese, Taiwanese, and you understand it. Now, I don't, you know, it's like I start speaking Hungarian, and, and one of you over there is like, she's speaking Hungarian. That's what's happening. God is doing this miraculous thing. And the amazing thing about it is they're not just talking in that. They're praising God in those languages. They are speaking languages that everyone in Jerusalem can understand that are bearing witness to the power and the presence of the living God. They are witnessing to God. And it is a moment where God is saying, you know, all these people who were in Jerusalem from every tongue and nation and tribe, they all had to come and speak Hebrew if they were going to be part of God's people. Now the Holy Spirit breaks that open and says, you know what, every person, every person, no matter their language, no matter their ethnicity, no matter who they are, God is inviting them all into the body of Christ. Now at Pentecost, we see that message of God that Paul talks about is the ministry of reconciliation. We are to come together as one people despite our differences in embracing our differences. We are pulled together by the Holy Spirit. You see, the church, believe it or not, is meant to be a place of reconciliation. The church is meant to be a place where we come together and we put Jesus first. It's meant to be a place where we're so committed to the way of Jesus that there is no one we want to exclude. We want to reconcile the world to and in Jesus Christ. That's the power of Pentecost. Look, everybody can come together. Everybody is welcome here. Everybody is part of God's kingdom. You know, one of the things that I have been so glad about is six years ago when I started saying, we're not going to vote on whether to disaffiliate or not. We're not going to, 
We're not going to get into those conversations. It, it, it's because the minute you start doing that, people draw lines in the sand. The minute you start doing that, people begin to take up sides. The minute you start doing that, you don't have Christ as the, as the head. You have your own positions as the main thing. And listen, you all know this. As you have watched all these other churches go through this discussions and fighting and how many people have been hurt how many people have ended up divided how many people have been beaten up that is not the way of jesus christ the way of jesus christ is reconciliation the way of jesus christ is healing the way of jesus christ is being together and saying i love you just the way you are and that villagers is what we have done by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have stayed together in a spirit of reconciliation. And I know that God is pleased with us, and I know that if we continue to be open, to pray together, to be committed to Jesus Christ, that God's Spirit is going to be poured out in and among us in new and surprising ways. But it's not up to us to control. It's up to us to be faithful, to be committed, and to let God do what God will do among us. You know, Pentecost breaks out when we have that kind of attitude in our lives, when we're living in a way that is prayerful and seeks reconciliation and seeks the way and the will of Jesus. On Friday... I got up in the morning, I was kind of tired from having been at annual conference. It's a lot of noise and people, and I needed, you know, like some quiet spirit time. And I got up, and I decided I was going to go out and go, go for a little jog in the neighborhood. But when I walked out the door of the house, something said to me, oh, just walk along your flower bed in front and just see how it's looking. I guess so I could trim things up over the weekend if I needed to. So I'm walking along the flower bed to the side of the house, which is right by the sidewalk. And there's a woman walking along the sidewalk, middle-aged, African-American woman. And we get a lot of people walking up and down that street. It's like uh, you get homeless people, you get transient people, you get people who are just out walking their dogs. You get all kinds of people. And, and this woman says to me, excuse me. And my mind went, uh-oh. She says, can I ask you a question? And, you know, one part of my mind is going, oh, she's going to ask me for money. But instead of saying, no, no, I'm sorry, I said, yeah, yeah, of course, go ahead. And she says, what do you do when someone's mom, you know, she said, well, what do you do when your own mom keeps pushing everybody away? What do you do when, when you want to love on her and she keeps pushing everybody away? And I said, well, I do know that's something, some wound in her, something hurt in her that she's carried with her. And she said, you know, I, I just, I, I was just there and she pushed me away. And, and I said, you know, Maybe, maybe you just need to turn around and go back. And you need to say to her, 
You want to push me away, but I love you. I'm not going to let you push me away. And she said, you know, that was just on my, uh, my spirit, and God said I needed to stop and talk to you. And I said, well, can I pray with you before you go? Now, listen, people, I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt and a visor and sunglasses. I, do not, I don't have a clergy minister sign on me. My house doesn't say, hey, here's a minister. Stop if you need something. No, I'm just some, some little white woman out looking at her flowers. And so I prayed with this woman for reconciliation with her mom and then she said, can I hug you? And I said, yes. And she turned around and went back down the street. Now listen, people of God, I don't know what happened when she got to her mother's house. I don't know if reconciliation happened. But what I do know was that God was working in that moment. And I was open enough to be responsible when the Spirit came to respond in the way that God would have me respond. This is nothing that's totally remarkable. These are the things that God asks of us each and every day. If we are committed to Jesus, if we are living as Pentecost people, God is going to send people along the path where we are to say a word to them of God's grace and love. That's what Pentecost is. That's what the church is. People of God. Pentecost isn't something that happened 2,000 years ago. Pentecost is something that God is calling to us to each and every day. And the question for us on this Sunday is, Will we be Pentecost people? Will we be open to God? Will we wait for what God wants to do? Will we be people who reconcile and not divide? Because the Holy Spirit will show up if we are willing to wait on it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.